Welcome to the Together for Good podcast, a podcast specifically designed to inspire, challenge, and uplift you during your daily walk of faith. Today's episode is a recording of a conversation that I had with my sister, Elizabeth Preisinger. Elizabeth lives in upstate New York and works at a retreat center out there, and she's specifically in charge of an initiative at that retreat center for helping equip people with contemplative practices, folks who are in different helping possessions, giving them tools and training them so that they can care for their body, mind, and spirit in meaningful ways. I thought it would be interesting to sit down and talk with her about her work because I think it applies very clearly to our life of faith uh, here in Denver, Colorado. We've all lived through a strange year with a lot of transitions, a lot of difficulties and struggles and frustrations. And so some of these contemplative practices or spiritual practices can be really helpful for centering us, grounding us, and connecting us with God in the midst of difficult times. So it's an interesting conversation. I had a lot of fun recording it. We'll probably have to bring Elizabeth on again because she did a really good job talking about all this stuff. Uh, But here it is now, this conversation that the two of us had on contemplative practices. Hey, everybody. I am on the call right now with my sister, Elizabeth. And no, I'm not going to just make my podcast all about uh, getting my family members on board, although hopefully you got to hear the podcast with my father. But my sister Elizabeth uh, is has her master's in social work. And not only that, but she currently works at a retreat center doing a work with uh, contemplation and contemplative practices. And so I wanted to bring her on uh, to tell us a little bit more about the work that she does, um, but also just kind of making those connections, too, for how contemplation might link up with our daily walk of faith. So first, Elizabeth, hey, welcome. Hello. Glad to be Uh here. Why don't you tell all of our loyal listeners a little bit about yourself, what you're doing, where you are, um, anything I might have left out? Sure. So I, uh, as Nate said, I am a social worker. I live in uh, upstate New York in the Hudson Valley north of New York City. And I currently work at a retreat center that focuses on how um, contemplative practices and contemplative life can be applied to the world's social and environmental issues. And so specifically what I work on is a program that is geared towards people in the helping professions, working on the front lines, um, social workers, healthcare work providers, teaching them skills to how to apply contemplation, contemplative practices like yoga, meditation, um, mindfulness to their daily life to um, in an effort towards taking care of themselves and adapting self-care so that they can replenish themselves in between um, the tiring work of helping people um, and being present to individuals' uh, traumas and uh, stressors. Yeah. And so I know you've told me a a little bit about what this ends up looking like and consisting of, Mm -hmm. Uh, but so walk us through that a little bit too, in terms of how you actually do that type of training work and getting people connected with stuff like this. Sure. Um, So we historically have done retreats. Now we're doing a lot of virtual work, but where we really start with is gaining, helping everyone gain an uh, understanding of the physiology and psychology of stress and oh. how 
how bearing witness to other people's traumas or even your own traumas in your life, your own stressors, what that does to your body and your mind and your mental habits. Um, and so once you have that understanding of what's how what's going on around you is affecting you internally, um, it can equip you to pay more attention and kind of tune in. We the our tagline for the program we work on um, is the ABCs of of contemplation, awareness, balance, and connection. So gaining an awareness of how the world around you is affecting you internally, physically, psychologically, and then finding ways to balance that out. Um, yeah. So, I mean, and that I think that I'd love for you to say a little bit more about that because I'm just realizing part of the reason I wanted to bring you on to talk about this is it feels so relevant for mm-hmm the collective masses <laughs> the world that we've lived through it, it's been a traumatic year even if even if things have been fine for you there's a, probably a lot of unprocessed trauma just with having to live through so many shifts mm-hmm. and it's certainly you know been stressful in its own ways I remember I mean just as an example um, at the very beginning of this pandemic when there was no toilet paper to be bought anywhere yeah. and I remember going to the grocery store and I had to show up at seven in the morning because that was when the store opened and I had to wait out in line to be let into the store because they were only letting in a certain amount of people and then I remember like walking down the aisle where the toilet paper was and there was only two like massive you know you know two big groups of toilet paper left and thankfully I got one but I just like you know, so really absurd kind of funny and a little weird but then yeah. I also had the conscious thought of you know if there was like movie horror music in the background, like really dramatic <laughs> music, this would be terrifying. Like that's all it would have taken for me to like fully live into the stress of that moment. So it just like, it's a good reminder. I tell that story because it's a good reminder to me that, yeah, like we have been living through some traumatic things and maybe we just mm-hmm. haven't fully been aware of it because there wasn't scary music. Um, yeah. so anyways, a long way of saying, tell me a little bit more and tell all of us a little bit more about how, um, yeah, like what are some of those warning signs that the A part, the awareness uh, when it comes to, uh, yeah, stress and, and all that physiological, psycho- psychological stuff you were talking about? Yeah, so uh, the A part starts with practice. Uh, the more that you take the time to tune in, the more familiar you'll be with when it feels out of balance. Um, there's this quote that we often use from, Viktor Frankl, I'm not going to remember the exact quote, but it's something to the effect of between stimulus and response, there is a space. And in that space, there is a choice. And so basically what that quote is saying is that we we often just kind of work on autopilot and we don't realize that when we're having these stress responses and then our body is going into this fight, flight or freeze mm-hmm. mode, thinking that there's an actual threat around us when a lot of times the threat is in our mind and those can be real threats like the pandemic that is in large part what we are the concept in our mind um but Mm -hmm. by allowing that space to just kind of step back and breathe and then make a choice about how you're going to respond instead of letting you yourself your body get carried away with the flight fight or freeze because if we're cool. constantly in this this state yeah. of fight, flight, or freeze, that causes more inflammation in our bodies and just leads to can lead to more chronic long term stress um, for ourselves. 
So it starts with a practice. And if you have a practice of meditation or yoga, you get to begin being familiar with where your body feels when you're at rest and what it feels like when your body is stressed. Because we're all different. We all might deal with stress differently, feel it differently. I feel it in my neck and shoulders a lot. I think other people feel it in their stomach. It's different for everyone. But by taking the time to tune in, we can begin to broaden that space between stimulus and response yeah, and that's, choose how we're going to respond. Well, and so there's a couple of there too. The, the Viktor Frankl quote, if I'm correct, is that from his book, uh, Man's Search for Meaning? Is that correct? I honestly don't know. Okay. So I, I just, I read that book earlier this year. Um, and oh, that, like, cool. that's a really big piece of what he talks about in there. I don't know if the quote's directly from there. It might've been part of his collective work. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I entrust that, yeah, to to our re- to our listeners. Uh, man's search for meaning, and it is just kind of about how you can have a choice. That's the one thing that can never be taken away from you is how mm-hmm. choosing how to respond. And Viktor Frankl was in a concentration camp when mm-hmm. he kind of came up with a lot of these ideas and realizations. Is that that was the one thing that they could never take away from him was his ability to choose how to respond and to react in a situation. Mm. Now. In the same sense, though, I, w- I would argue that that seems a little simplified because sometimes <laughs> like really bad stuff happens and it's really right. hard to. And so, so what you're talking about is having a practice that builds awareness. Mm-hmm. So really, it's not the ABCs. It's the PABCs because you need the practice first <laughs> if you're going to do the awareness. Fair? Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> the PABCs. So, um, but yeah, let's t- I mean, talk about that because some people might not be familiar with how yoga or mindfulness or other forms of meditation could be helpful to that end. Sure. So I, I don't, the actual word contemplation, I don't know if this is correct, but when I, I'm not an etymologist, but when I break it down, I think of the con that means with temp means time and Asian is like a state or a status. So that's kind of how I think of contemplation. It's, taking a moment to come with time and being in a state of being present to time. Mercy, that's cool. Yeah. Good stuff. Um, yeah. So that that's, that's how I conceptualize contemplation. And for me, sometimes it's, it's a, it's a morning meditation practice where I just allow myself to land and be present with what is going on around me, not caught up in my mental chatter and anxiety and what am I going to do that day, but just, landing with where am I at right now? What's going on internally? Sometimes that's easier with movement like yoga um, and feeling kind of getting the blood flowing throughout and kind of allowing my awareness to be outside of my head and in in my body. And I think you can probably talk quite a bit about yoga um, with your experience. How, How does that feel like contemplation for you? Yeah, well, and it, it's funny too because I, I, prior to my interest in yoga, I became interested in in just meditation and mindful and a mindfulness practice. Mm-hmm. And and the real point of mindfulness meditation is is seeing the thought and letting it go. Yeah, seeing the thought yes. and letting it go. Yeah, but it's that repetition of bringing awareness to something, acknowledging the awareness, but not then mm-hmm. letting that moment, that thought, that whatever control you which is exactly right. right. Like that's the gap, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. there's the, the stimulus and there's the response, but if you can see the stimulus 
and also like start to see your response, but not actually live into it. That changes it. And, and so yoga kind of takes it a step further, like you were saying, because it's embodied. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I love about it is that, you know, there are these poses that you hold for periods of time mm-hmm. and you are bringing all of your attention and your breath to your hamstring, you know, like mm-hmm. to that achy part. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it's just kind of amazing of how, yeah, the, the repetition of it, um, can can then change the way that you act and carry yourself the rest of the day too because you're in the in the practice of noticing thoughts noticing aches in your body or whatever Mm -hmm. else it is Mm -hmm. um and not just letting any of those pieces kind of control you the the going on autopilot is really what it seems like you want to avoid right far too often how we operate yeah yeah i have a couple thoughts on that there we have a teacher um that i work with who her catchphrase is name it to tame it. And basically that's like with, with meditation, when you're watching these thoughts flow by just by simply naming it, like, Oh, there's anxiety that gives you some distance and lets you prevents you from, as she says, hopping on the boat and carrying it down the water. But instead you're just watching, watching it float by down the river. Um, So I find that helpful. And then another thing that we talk about a lot is, this idea that you don't practice meditation, you don't practice yoga contemplation to get better at yoga or meditation or contemplation. You practice it to get better at life and living and being present in the rest of the rest of your, your day. Um, and bringing that same kind of energy. It's, it's really, it's like, it's almost like thought mental training of, you get you you practice an instrument so that those become kind of motor memory, how you move your fingers on the violin um, yep. in the same way when you're practicing meditation or practicing yoga, you're practicing that that presence of mind and that um, distance from the autopilot, the stopping the autopilot. And yeah, and and so let me just jump in and say, like, for any of those people who might be listening who are like, wait a second, like, this is a church. Like, why are we talking about all this Eastern stuff? Um, One, it's not really all Eastern. It's very Western as well. And there's lots of history and roots to Christianity with a lot of these pieces. Um, Mm -hmm. But what I'll also say is that that's how I understand, like, the Sunday morning liturgy and Mm -hmm. and the fact that we do this every week and we kind of go through the same motions Mm -hmm. maybe we find ways to make it a little creative or you know or to draw out certain elements of the liturgy in new ways at least at my church that's the way we often do things but -hmm. in the same sense like it's the practice and it's the muscle memory of it that's really important and and that by being there and and saying the you know the words to the curie singing that every single sunday it gets in your brain and then mm-hmm. it can kind of pop up at moments when you need it or, or yeah. to just like hear those constant reminders of God's love and presence and direction in your life. Um, being you know, exposing yourself to that on a weekly basis, practicing that on a weekly mm-hmm. basis tunes your body and your, your life differently. Um, and so, yeah, when something stressful comes up, you're also reminded of this message of hope that you heard on Sunday or whatever mm-hmm. else it might be. Um, and so, yeah, a lot of these pieces actually really do link together in terms of how um, Christian practice often plays out, even though um, it tends to seem like these two parts don't play together very well. I don't I mean, and, and you, I don't know if you have any thoughts about that um, on your own end, or I know that you sometimes work with um, pastors and people in helping professions. Like, can you talk mm-hmm. any any bit about how this sort of overlaps some of the things you're talking about and 
um, how a, a Christian might practice their faith? Yeah, there's a few things that come to mind. Um, so one, I I think that in, in Lutheranism, we have the sacrament of baptism and communion. To me, those are absolutely contemplative practices. It's, it's bringing you into the moment and connecting you with Christ through bread and wine and um, bringing Christ into that, that presence of um, mindfully taking in communion at the Eucharist. Yeah, yeah. Right. And I know, Nate, you've talked about how when you wash your face, you use that as a practice to remind you of your baptism. And Every morning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And so these these are co contemplative practices. These are ways that we're we're connecting with Christ and connecting with ourselves to the present moment. Um, another thing I really love is the the Yahweh, mm -hmm. the the term Yahweh. You'll you'll know more. <laughs> you'll be able to say this better than me. But my understanding is Yahweh um, in Hebrew word for God literally was the sound of breath. Right. Um, and so I think of that just in, in terms, so much of contemplation comes back to breathing and mm -hmm. just breathing the name of God and bringing that into the, your presence as you, you breathe in with yeah. the first syllable and breathe out with the second syllable. Um, exactly. Yeah. And so, right. So when Moses asks God, what's your name? And God says, I am that I am, or in Hebrew, Yahweh. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it, you're exactly right. The rabbis have kind of seen that as it's the sound of human breath. It's a, an inhale and an exhale. Like, Yahweh. Mm -hmm. um, and what's also really profound is to note that in the story of God creating Adam and Eve, um, Adam is a hunk of clay up until the point that God to Adam's nostrils. And so it's this the continual mm -hmm. recognition that our breath is our life source. If you don't, you know, mm -hmm. you can go a couple of days without water. You can go a couple of weeks without food. You can go a couple minutes without breath. Right. Yeah. And, and that that's the sustaining force that's always with us that we don't often pay attention to. And so you're right. There is some really cool theological overlap between mm -hmm. how important breath is um, just on a theological level and its connection with the mm -hmm. name of God and life in general. And mm -hmm. also how important breath is for what you're saying, like for contemplation and living a healthy, centered, grounded life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's great stuff. So tell me more than just in terms of, I mean, maybe you can move on to the B and the C, right? It seems like we've done a lot with the, the awareness here and practices. Say a mm -hmm. little bit more about the B and the C of contemplation. Yeah. So a lot of the B is, um, I'm no doctor, but it, it's a lot of the physiological, like that, that, um, how breathing, for example, breathing is a way of literally calming your body and activating your parasympathetic nervous system, which is the system that responds after we've had the stressor. Mm -hmm. Um, and so there's certain breathing techniques, um, that, and there's a nerve that connects it's like the longest nerve in our bodies, the vagus nerve. And there's breathing techniques and yoga poses that can activate that to, to move us into that rest and digest phase, bringing balance. Because if we're in that, that stressed state for an extended period of time, that's not good for our bodies. And we need to 
bring ourselves back to rest and digest homeostasis. Um, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So the, um, so the A, forgive me on this. The A is awareness. Uh, awareness. The B is the breathing. It's balance. Bringing the balance. balance. Thank balance. you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. The balance. And you're right. Yeah. Like a lot of these practices can bring that form of balance and yeah, the homeostasis. I see where you're going with this. So then, mm-hmm. and then the C. The C is connection. And in connection, that's referring not only to um, connecting with, as we were saying, what's going on inside of you, but connecting with other people, having a community around you um, is a part of contemplation. And, um, we, in our program, we talk a lot about compassion um, and how we can bring com- more compassion into the work that we do without being overwhelmed by empathy, being in the helping profession. Um, and so that connection piece is part of the resilience that we create through our contemplative practices of connecting with ourselves so that we can better connect with other people around us and have a stronger community. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and yeah, when you're when you're healthier and more grounded and more resilient because of all of this, it makes sense that your connection would probably be better as well. Mm-hmm. Um, lot, and the more that you understand about what's going on with you, the more you can understand what might be going on with those around you and to be able to connect on a deeper level um, and have extend grace for, to yourself and to those around you. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, I just see that with kids all the time, too, is that when I can, they, they don't really listen to a word I say, but they, <laughs> but they notice everything I do. And so yeah. <laughs> when I can show up better, uh, it, it's, it's better all the way around for everybody, because that's actually mm-hmm. way more instructive than whatever soapbox I might climb on top of. Exactly. Which is really hard for a preacher to <laughs> Let me just say. <laughs> awesome. Uh, Elizabeth, this is super interesting stuff. And I'm really like, yeah, thank you for the work you do for the world. Like what your what your retreat center is doing is just awesome. And I really appreciate you sharing some of this. Is there anything more that you wanted to kind of add or to summarize or make sure you got to say uh, before we call it a day? Um, all I would say is that if if you're looking to start a contemplative practice, you can start small. Like it can be just taking a breath and tuning in before going to that meeting. Or it can be just, I mean, I commit myself to five minutes of centering prayer a day. That's the minimum. Um, and oftentimes I'll do more than that, but just, just it's carving out time for yourself to connect with the divine. Um, and it can it can be really small, so it doesn't need to be a overwhelming task. Yeah, well said. And it starts small, and you'll probably enjoy it and appreciate it so much that it'll build naturally on its own. Exactly. Yeah, it feels like mm-hmm. it to me. It feels like like taking a great glass of cold water, like taking a drink of cold water on a hot day. <laughs> like that's that's how it feels for just me um, internally. Awesome. Well, Elizabeth, thank you for sharing your wise insights with us. And um, we're going to bring you on again. This is not the, this is not the last time that we're going to have a conversation, although um, we'll have other topics that we can explore together.
Absolutely. Uh, Happy to come back. Thanks for being here and sharing yourself with us. Uh, Thank you, loyal listeners, for listening. Tell your friends. (laughs) Um, Let us know. And uh, we just really appreciate you taking time to listen. Stay in peace, everyone.